Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. So welcome to Late Night Love, where we talk about all things love. And tonight we're talking about National Cat Month. Time to appreciate our furry friends. And where is the little devil? Is he still in here? No. No, you, she kicked him out because he's a bit of a troublemaker, as cats tend to be. But we do kind of appreciate their personalities, individual personalities that cats come with. And there's 94 million cats or so in the U.S., somewhere around 2017. So there's probably a little bit more than that. So, and cat, what, so what is it? Cats have been worshipped by many cultures throughout the history. Some say they're good for your health. You can lower your blood pressure, have companions, that kind of thing. You know, but we spend what? We're going to find out how much we spend is what we're going to do. We're going to find out how much we spend and how much that's going to increase with inflation this year. That's kind of a thing. And how do you budget that kind of stuff? So, but before we get started with all that, we want to remind you, you can find us at the late night love dot us. And if you want to send us a question, comment, suggestion, blah, 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 you can do it at love at late night love dot us. Okay, lovey. So it was National Cat Month. And so, of course, we have discussion about cats. My favorite, one of my favorite pets. I like dogs, but I prefer cats as as pets. Yeah, dogs are more maintenance, are a bit more maintenance than cats do. Cats, you can kind of leave to themselves. Dogs, you got to like walk them every day and do all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Wash them, bathe them. Yeah, cats are far easier. But, of course, in a sense, dogs are more loyal. So, there's that. You know, you don't get a tail wag when you come home, you know. There's nobody excited to see you with a cat. You know, with a cat. They'll complain that you didn't come home sooner. But, you know. Yeah, so, you know, the cat. Or like me, mine, I was gone for five days. Mine got ticked off until I took a shower. I smelled like a dog. Yeah, so, you know, that tends to happen, right? All right, so what do we want to start with? The number of cats in the U.S. All right. All right, number of cats in the U.S. And these, this data only goes till 2017. And in 2017, it was approximately 95.6 million cats living in households in the United States. That's living in households. That's not the strays. Right. Some 68% of of U.S. households own a cat at at least once. Yeah. Makes sense. 
I have no idea where you're at, so we're just gonna go. I'm done. Oh, that was it. We're done with that number of cats. That's all we were going to discuss. All right. So there's a lot of cats. Which, if you think about it, there's what 330 million or so, 340 million people in the United States. 94 million cats. About one in three of us has a cat in the household, at least. I understand that the. Uh... Well, the cat, the cat ownership went up during the pandemic, so those numbers didn't reflect what's going on now. Yeah, so there's a lot of kitty cats out there. There's a lot of uh, a lot of homes. All right, so 101, 104 interesting cat facts. Could you pull a few of these out that you like? No. Okay, we can wait through some until we... Yeah. Um, cats don't have a sweet tooth? That's strange. Dogs do, but cats don't. Yeah. I love this. When a cat chases its prey, it keeps its head level. Dogs and humans bob their heads up and down. Yeah, here's one. The technical term for a cat's hairball is a visor. Is that from the sound it makes? Rating those things. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Can't climb, can't climb down head first down a tree. Ah. So to get down a tree, a cat has to back down because of its claws don't work in the downward position. That's interesting. That the claws aren't designed to do that. Cats make about a hundred different sounds. Dogs only make about 10. Yeah, we'll skip number seven. 500 million domestic cats in the world. Uh, the oldest known cat was recently, the oldest known pet cat thingy was found in a 9,500-year-old 9, grave on the Mediterranean island of Cyprus. So... That's a big 4,000 years before the Egyptians. So, so that's interesting. So cats have been around for a long time, being a pain in the patootie. Yeah, yeah. During the Middle Ages, cats were associated with witchcraft. So there you go. First cat in space was a French cat named Felicet. A A A A K A Astro Cat in 1963. Okay, approximately 40,000 people are. Oh, by the way, she survived the trip. Okay. Approximately 40,000 people are bitten by cats in the U.S. No, approximately 40,000 people uh, report being bitten by cats annually in the U.S. About how many cats were there? 94 million? <laughs> So about 94 million people, at least, get bitten by cats. And cats kind of this is delightful. According to Hebrew legend, Noah prayed to God for help protecting all the food this, that was stored on the ark from being by rats. In reply, God made the lion sneeze and out popped the cat. Here's one for our cat. The cat rubs against people. Not only to be affectionate, but also to mark its territory with scent glands around its face. 
tail area and paws also carry the scent. So no wonder that stinking cat always is rubbing his face on my on my legs. Well, apparently we stink to them. Yeah. Anyway. Researchers don't know how a cat purrs. Our cat purrs constantly, it seems to me. From vocal, it, it comes, the cat purr comes from vibrating vocal cords deep in the throat. Hey, smuggling a cat out of ancient Egypt was punishable by death. Don't trans, don't, don't take cats out of Egypt. The earliest ancestor of the modern cat lived 30 million years ago, he said. There we go. Yeah. Persian cat's the most popular cat. All right, do we have to go? Where are you? I'm just skipping down until I okay. find something. Okay, a cat usually has about 12 whiskers on each side of its face. I'm going to have to look at him next time and see. It doesn't look like that many, but it doesn't necessarily. I've never paid that much attention. Spanish Jewish folklore recounts that Adam's first wife, Lilith, became a black vampire cat, sucking the blood from sleeping babies. This may be the root of the, su the superstition that a cat will smother a sleeping baby or suck out the baby's breath. Hey, here's one. Isaac Newton invented the cat flap. Newton was experimenting with in a pitch black room. Spithead, one of his cats, kept opening the door and wrecking his experiment. The cat flap kept both Newton and Spithead happy. Why would he call it? Anyway, maybe Spithead meant something different. This is a while ago. Cats don't actually meow at each other, just at humans. They will spit, purr, and hiss at other cats. You know why they meow? Because it sounds like babies. Wow. And so they're mimicking babies as best they can. The oldest cat on record was Cream Puff from Austin, Texas, who lived from 1967 to August 2005, three days after her 38th birthday. Uh, let's see. If cats spend nearly a third of their waking hours cleaning themselves. A 2007 Gallup poll revealed both men and women were equally likely to own a cat. Yes, a cat. The question is, who's most likely to own six? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. A cat heart beats nearly twice as fast as a human heart. Cool. Cats are extremely sensitive to vibrations. They're said to detect earthquake tremors 10 or so 15 minutes before, before humans can. And loud, and I'm assuming loud bass music. There you go. A female cat is called a queen or a molly. So there you go. That's where the queens come from. Here's one. The richest cat is Blackie, who has left $15 million by his owner, Ben Ray. Cats can drink seawater? Really? 
Researchers say your cat does know her name. She just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Which somehow wouldn't surprise me. If that were true, the cats just don't care what their names are. We just don't care all that much. But you know what we do care about, you know, when we talk about our pets and, you know, our budgets. Trying to squeeze our love of our pets and our budgets in together can sometimes be a bit of a trick, right? It's not as easy as we sometimes like. So how much money do we spend on our on our our furry little friends? And so who crunched the numbers? Somebody crunched the numbers. One hundred and twenty-four billion was spent on our furry friends in the U.S. That's a that's a lot of money. And you can find all the links to this stuff at our website, latenightlove.us. Okay. This is from two thousand and three. Okay. So these things have probably greatly wait, well, it says updated on January 9th, twenty twenty three. Yeah. So it says they're at least updated. All right, so they're relatively decent numbers. The average American pet owner will spend fourteen hundred and eighty dollars a year on their dog. Nine hundred bucks on their cat, and somehow I don't think that's that's just what is that on food? Food is expensive. Cat and dog owners spend on pet visits. I mean, pet visits, vet, vet visits, <laughs> pet visits. Yes, they have conjugal visits. Food and boarding. Um, highly educated middle-aged people with an income. Yeah, imagine that. Be people between 60, 55 and 64 who make a hundred and hundred fifty thousand dollars spend the most on their four legged friends. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Those who have the money spend it. Yes, but you know who doesn't spend it is people who have a lot of money. They know when to, you know, they call it, they call time out and put them out their misery early. So it's an interesting group of person who doesn't. Because you would think people with more money would spend more money. But it stops at 150. It goes back down. Like people that make more rational choices than we have make more money than that? Apparently. I don't know. Or is it a rational choice? You know, that's the other question. That's a philosophical question. Okay. More and more people are insuring their pets. Well, yeah, because that bills are becoming. Oh, by the way, yeah. Uh, the third most expensive item item is kennel boarding. A dog owner spends two hundred twenty eight a year for this service, but cat owners only spend seventy eight. Well, yeah. How much was it to board our for our kitty for a day? Uh, it was forty dollars. Yeah, but she charges. She tried to only charge us the twenty, and we'd give her a twenty dollar bill. And we had to like, you had to like leave it on the couch or something. I had to leave it on the couch. Yeah, she wouldn't take it. She was fabulous. She texted me the whole time I was that our pet was there. She like every hour, and so you know, and so she deserved a tip. She deserved more than twenty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna do that. Total pet spending. 
it increased a lot over the uh, course of the pandemic. Look at the jump. 104 billion in 2020, 124 billion in 2021. And that's before inflation, right? That was before the inflationary period. So that's a huge jump. Uh, jump. Cost of owning a dog versus pet cat. You know, cats generally cost less because they need less care. Let's be frank, right? You just need less care. They're less likely to break stuff unless you've got, you know, a dog that's smaller than a cat. I, mean, I don't understand those dogs, by the way. That do what? The dogs that are smaller than cats. What's the purpose? I don't get it. It's like having a toddler all the time. Why? Those things are just anyway. That's that's my personal opinion. And we're being nice to pets. It's National Cat Month. Oh, that's right. That's a dog, so we can be mean to dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean about dogs, not mean to dogs. You can't be mean to dogs. No, we're not mean to dogs. But we could be mean about dogs for month. It's Cat and Dog Month. Okay. <laughs> Pet spending by age. Yeah, again, it's the people, oddly enough, our age. 55 to, 55 to 64. 64 yeah. They spend the most. That's it's where you have the most disposable income, I suspect, is why that is. Now, this one's got a little bit strange. Less than high school spend a lot. People with high school diplomas spend the, 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 the least. Bachelor's degrees. But masters and doctors degrees spend the most. Well, suppose it kind of makes sense because they have more money, but still, it's less than high school spend a lot. High school graduates don't have the money for it, so they don't spend it. But where are these people coming from? Or are they married to these people? The thugs. <laughs> I don't know. Pet insurance has jumped up. That there, it's really uh, jumped up a lot since 2018. Yeah, it's... Um, dogs are, I mean, it's increased by 28%. Yeah, it's gone up a lot. So, you know, we, as human beings, as we, it's kind of first world problems, right? But, you know, I'd rather have first world problems than third world problems. And it's, it just is the what it is, I suppose. But it does make you pause sometimes, does it not? You know, to think about priority, how much we spend on pets or entertainment. Wow. Versus how much we give to charity. Yeah, I don't know. But that's not a call for someone else to point fingers at, except for the person in the mirror. It's not yes. a judgment for people to make at yourself. So that question of that. And we are going to move on to questions from what Lubby has dug up on Reddit, I think, this week. Yes. All right. And we want to remind you that you can like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And you can send us your own question at love at latenightlove.us or find us on social media and ask that way. Okay. What 
is next, Mila? Well, let's dive right in. Boyfriend, 31 male, wants to charge me 29 female rent. My sister, 27, thinks he's acting like a landlord. Does this undermine our relationship in any way? Well, I'm assuming you're sharing an apartment, right? Yes. And if you're sharing an apartment, wouldn't it be not unreasonable to ask you to share some of the cost of the apartment? He Maybe he put it uneloquently. But it's not an unreasonable request to say, hey, you live here. Can you pay part of the cost of the roof? Yeah. It's not an unreasonable request. You know, maybe he didn't, you know, frame it in the best way. But, which would be my guess, it's more of the way, you know, it's not necessarily what you say, it's how you say it, you know? My, my, my guess is that's what this is more like. Spakes wants to charge you rent, or is that her interpretation of what he said? We don't know. But anyway... On its face, it's not an un unusual. It's not a yeah, but unreasonable per per request. Perhaps he didn't phrase it perhaps in the most phrase it, yeah. gentle way. Or maybe she's only spending a lot of time there and not really living. That's there. true. And so that's another option. And so that may be a different. Maybe it's his way of bringing up the question because he's you know, not good at conversation, so he's. Stumbling over himself, but at 31, you don't get a lot of leeway for that. I give a 20 year old, 21 year old a lot more leeway over that, having a difficult conversation than a 31 year old. <laughs> All I'm saying. Well, yes. Yeah. That's that's dog days of the years right there. Yeah, I mean, he should know how to have a difficult conversation. But she should also, at 29, she should know how to be able to uh, receive a difficult conversation. So my guess is there's a bit of miscommunication here somewhere, and you solve that, and it doesn't on the safe on the surface it doesn't seem like an unreasonable. No, no. Okay. All right. My thirty nine, my thirty nine female husband, forty one male. Let's let his friends exclude me yesterday, and now I'm realizing how spineless he is. How do I save a marriage of sixteen years? Well, maybe they didn't want you around for a reason. <laughs> you ever considered that? You know, it's all all I've heard is I wanted to be included in something. People didn't want me included, and so now my husband is spineless. It didn't tell me what they were doing, what the point of their ex excursion was. Maybe him and his friends wanted to go fishing. And then... <laughs> You know, by themselves, without their wives around, and then you wanted to butt in on their on their day out. I don't know. Maybe you're being pushy. You know, people can have lives other than that don't surround you. I I'm kind of getting that vibe because all of a sudden it's now he's spying us. How do I save a marriage? When because you what? Because they didn't want to take you with them on some outing that they wanted to go by themselves on. I'm not getting it. I'm thinking someone needs to look in their own mirror. His friends didn't want you to go for a reason. Maybe you're the one being pushy and they're not necessarily excluding you. Maybe you're just not all that fun to be around. 
a little dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I was excluded once. My marriage is over. My husband is spineless. Maybe he is spineless. Maybe your marriage is over. Or maybe you're seriously overreacting. And that's why they don't want you along. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's a couple options there for you. Take which one you can, which one you can, uh, can handle. Okay, what's next? I, 34 male, am no longer physically attracted to my fiancé, 33 female. How do I tell her without making her feel inadequate? Uh, I don't know if that's possible. Well, yeah, you can't. Jim will change your feelings, but also this is one of those things. Time heals some wounds. Yeah. Let it pass. If all your emotions are still there, the physical attraction thing will come and go at times. It's part of a long-term relationship. It just happens. You know, there's times you are not less attracted to him. Now maybe it's a symbol that you're not as in love as you thought you were. Or maybe you're going through a period of time where you're not finding anybody particularly attractive and there's a depression or something to deal with you know it may be other things to look at rather than maybe you're getting cold feet and you're looking for excuses you know Ooh, <laughs> and thought of that there's a hundred just we're talking human psychology man there's it could be all kinds of is, of issues that you know slow things down well, maybe a couple, just a couple sessions with a counselor might clear things up. Yeah, or go talk to a trusted friend, rabbi, you know, whatever, whoever your trusted confidence. Go have a couple beers or whatever adult recreation activity is with your best friend and talk about it. You know, there's a hundred ways to deal with this rather than blow your marriage, your potential marriage up because... You having a feeling at the moment, so <laughs> that would be my suggestion. You know, kind of examine where it's actually coming from because it could be something as simple as, you know, momentary depression or, or perfectly natural cold feet, or you know, all kinds of things. Stress, stress can do that kind of thing to you. So, yeah, I would slow down is what I would do. Okay, what's next? Uh, okay. Girlfriend, 23 female, put a photo that she knew I, 26 male, didn't want anyone to see. Instead, I was, oh, she, she posted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Said I was overreacting when I asked her to take it down. Well, she's an adult and she can post what she wants. Really, I mean, as long as it's of herself and it's not like she posted something of you. She assuming. posted something of him. Oh, of him? Because it sounded like maybe she posted, you know, a bikini pic and he was all bent. Right? Oh, 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 oh. That's kind of what it looks like to me. Oh, a bikini Oh, I see. Yeah, I, I misread that one. That's very true. So it depends on what it is. If she posted a, you know, a sexy time, sexy pic of herself or she looked, thought she looked good and she wanted her friends but not to see it. So she posts it and you don't like it. Well, it's perfectly fine for you to express that you don't like it. It is unreasonable for you to ask her to take it down. Now, if she posted a picture of you that you found unflattering, asked her not to post it, and she posted it anyway, that's a different 
that's a different discussion, right? Because then that is a disrespect of you and, and those kind of boundaries. But she's a grown woman. And if she wants to post a picture, she can post a picture. And if you think it's a boundary too far, then that's a, one of these things in your relationships that you learn about and find out about each other. But, you know, she's going to express herself whether you like it or not. So you're going to have to learn to deal with it or not. That's kind of that one. And if she is disrespecting you by posting a picture of you that you didn't want, then that's a whole other thing. Go find yourself a new girlfriend. Okay. okay. Just, a, you know, or boyfriend, depending upon whichever one that is kind of thing. Okay. Go find a new partner if that's the case. Right? There we go. If, if your partner is posting pictures of you that they you ask them not to, that's reason to move on. But if they're posting pictures of themselves, you know, you have every right to do that. You make decisions. Alright, let's go. 18-year-olds, we're going to move into parenting. Oh, yes. My favorite ones. The ones with no right answer. Yay. 18-year-old <laughs> son refusing to get a job. How do I motivate him? How do you motivate an 18-year-old? Motivating a teenager is the hardest thing in the world. Because fundamentally, they have to motivate themselves. So the question is, how do you get him to motivate himself? And I don't know. You try and find stuff that they're interested in. And for an 18-year-old, one of the easiest places to get a job right now is at a fitness center. You know, 24-hour fitness or, or uh, whatchamacallit. What's the other one? Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness, yeah. As a check-in person, wipe down things. You can learn the basics of, of getting a job, and then you have the option of getting healthy while you're doing it, and meeting a bunch of people who are healthy, and, you know, it is what it is. But how do you motivate them? That's so independent of the child involved, of the person involved. There's no way to know. There's just no way to know. Um... Find out, you know what motivates them, so you just figure out a way. I don't know, there's no specific way. I don't have an answer, a good answer to anyway. I just don't. There's no singular good answer to that question. Well, I wonder if maybe if he isn't depressed, and or maybe, you know, he just, he doesn't want to grow up. Well, it's hard to know without more background. It could be anything. It could be a hundred things. Yeah. It could be a lack of confidence. It could be a lack of social skills. It could be a, a lack of opportunity, so he's given up. You know, he could be the the low achiever of his friend group, so he's depressed. And, you know, so, you know, it's hard to know. One thing you might be able to do is if he's got a best friend that you can talk to, you want to talk to his best friend and find out at least if he's depressed and then have a talk chat with your child but the best way is to just keep an open honest dialogue with them without kind of being overly judgmental until you find out what's actually going on because you want to know if you if it's one thing if he's just being lazy and it's another thing if he's dealing with issue or maybe he is trying to find a job and he's just not successful at it because most jobs now you can do on your phone right do these zoom meetings and zoom interviews and you apply online. It's not the same like when we were kids at 18. 
you literally opened the phone phone book and sat at the phone or or <laughs> went out there and filled out an application and <laughs> as you sat down in the waiting room that's not what happens anymore so no everything's everything don't like so it can look like they're being lazy when they could really be working hard trying to find something and maybe the the problem is their strategy you know is hey take something easy get a couple wins under your belt you know find something that's openly looking for a job you know oddly enough you know walking down to the local strip mall seeing something with a help wanted sign walking in it's probably a good way to find a job these days you know and point out opportunities without being judgmental you know don't like pin them up on the thing you know don't make a big huge deal about it just tell them as you say hey i saw a thing at the what should we call it hey i think it, it just becomes part of natural conversation and if you're open about the conversation the entire time he knows you're not being overly pushy you're just offering opportunities and that's the best i got <laughs> good luck because there's stuff out there there is there's stuff out there okay so what's next it is okay this is more adult child relationships <laughs> kids and tats okay they're talking about kids over 18. well okay my personal theory is you don't put bumper stickers on a ferrari right and so which is why my suggest yeah i you know that's my suggestion to everybody wasn't successful with my daughter but you know she, she she's an adult she can do what she wants she's earned the money to to pay for it it's her choice just like everything else they do you raise them and you let them off into the world <laughs> and you accept them for who they are you know there's worse things they could be doing so be thankful for that um i went with my girls when they turned 18 and we got their first tattoo together there's, and it was thing. it was i knew they were going and they since got more tattoos it was part of their generation and i wanted to educate them how to pick a good tattoo artist what to look for the cleanliness um word of mouth you know costs mm -hmm. I wanted them to, uh, I, I didn't want them going into it on their own. Yeah. No. I knew they were going to anyway, and they did. Yeah, well, my daughter did, and I was always telling them not to put bumper stickers on Ferrari, so how well that would work. So, you know, they're going <laughs> to, they're going to do what they're going to do. So, you know. It is what it is. Accept their decisions on that one. There's worse things they can do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just tell them not to put tattoos on their forehead or something. Okay. What's next? Twelve-year-old boy and seven-year-old girl always playing together. Weird. Well, depending upon circumstances, is there anybody else to play with? Not really. No. Yeah. I mean, if. <laughs> you know, if that's your only opportunity to have another person to interact with that's even close to your age group, that's who you're going to interact with. So is it weird? 
Probably if you're from the city. But if you're in a rural area and, you know. They're neighbors. Yeah. No, then no, it's not weird at all. It's, it's perfectly natural. They're probably more like brother and sister than anything at this stage. Yes. Yeah. Okay. How do you have the sex talk with your kids? Well, you, I never sat down and had the sex talk. Um, I answered, they started asking questions when they were children. Very simple questions. You know, where do babies come from? All babies come from the mommy's tummy, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, okay. And you answer it in the simplest possible terms until they started, uh, start at, asking more questions yeah but how does it get there that was that's when the big question and i used just in you know correct medic correct medical terms to in its simplest form to explain what happened yeah there was never a sex talk it was lots of little talks over the course of their of their life. There was no singular sex talk. So that's, again, it's just continual open communication at the level they can take it. Or the other option is you put two, you empty a room, you put two chairs in it, you get some big studio lights, and, and then you sit them down and say, we need to have a talk, and you sit down like an interrogation and have a talk. Bust out a book, and flip charts, and the whole nine yards. Yeah, right. Like, you're going to do something like that. I didn't say me. <laughs> I said them. <laughs> they can do that. Not me. That's right. Scare them. Well, they'll never want to talk to you about it again. That's for sure. Okay. So, <laughs> that... <laughs> what is it? How do you raise teenagers? You, it's, it's, you treat them like like explosives. You put them off somewhere over there and go away and cover your ears. Hope nothing gets hurt. In the process. It's another way to raise teenagers. Not very effective, but it's one way to do it. Well, raising teenagers is like herding cats. But no, herding cats is a simple task compared to raising teenagers. All you have to do is get a laser pointer and some cat, squeezy cat toys. You've got 99% of them. And tranquil legs are games for the rest. Okay. <laughs> All right, so on to work questions. My coworker called me a racial slur. Should I tell HR? That's a slur. Well, in the big one, in the, in the, in the. Okay. Further the uh, larger explanation it was a racial slur you can deal with the there's many ways to deal with this depending upon the relationship you have with the person involved if it's someone with who you have a relationship that you can have an honest discussion with you can go and have an honest discussion with and avoid hr because hr is just throwing pain in the butt but if it's someone you can't have a discussion with you know then you go deal with it. You know, sometimes 
especially in things like warehouses or assembly lines, things can happen and get heated and people say things they don't mean, right? Just like every other argument, right? People say and do things they don't necessarily mean and you can deal with it as men or as human beings, human beings, right? But sometimes there's not and you have to go because it's just not your point place to deal with. Or sometimes you just don't feel like dealing with it. But by the very fact you're asking the question, should I tell HR? You don't want to go deal with bureaucracy and the HR and filling out the paperwork and oh, <laughs> having to deal with all that. You know, that's its own pain in the butt. So if the question is, can you, is this someone you can deal with person to person, human to human level? And if you can, then start there. Because you're always going to make more movement that way actually want to make a difference you're going to make more difference on a person-to-person -person level than you know going to hr yeah but sometimes it's, it's not your place it's not necessarily your duty it might not necessarily be your place and it might not be the person to do it with so you have to make that judgment call yeah yeah okay okay currently on lmla I don't know what that means, but it's like a leave of absence. Yeah. Um, should I take this time to look for another job? You should always be looking for another job, or at least have your eyes open for other opportunities. Because that's how you're going to get your biggest promotion. What is that, maternity? Yeah. Maternity, leave of absence? I don't know something like that but yes you know always keep your eyes open for another opportunity remember it's their job not yours actually i remember this one this was they were on a, a medical leave for alcoholism yeah yeah well in that particular case, if your company has stood by you this particular time, you may want to have some share, you know, show some of the loyalty they've showed you. So it really might depend upon the attitude that the company has had. If they're supported you through this, then, you know, maybe you have a moral responsibility to, to, to go back there and show the same, same support. There is that argument. Yes. Yeah. Now, now, if they were the reason you started drinking, <laughs> it's a different question, right? If the stress of the job is intolerable and it, it, you know, will contribute to your desire to drink again, then you have a duty to yourself to find something else. So it really kind of depends on which one of those things it is. So, yeah. Okay. How do I manage 12 to 14 hour work days? Same way everybody else who has to work 12 to 14 hours. You just do. Because here's the thing. Depending upon what your 12 to 14 hour workday is, you're probably not working and burning as many calories as you're mentally fatigued. And so to deal with mental fatigue is you take small breaks throughout the day. Instead of one 15 minute break, take three fives. Get up, walk around, go back, sit back down. I don't take 15 minute breaks and don't tell any, don't say anybody thing to OSHA because the state will get mad. I don't take my 15 minute breaks. I take a break whenever I need one. <laughs> my boss is perfectly fine with it i'm productive sometimes i probably get more break time than i you know but most of the time i probably get less i'll forget to take a break 
And then sometimes I'll get up and go, you know, take a walk around the block. Yeah, I don't wait till break time. But the nature of my job allows for that. So, you know, not everybody can do that kind of thing. You can't do that if you're on assembly line. That's <laughs> not how it works. So, you know, but there's lots of people who do lots of entrepreneurs work 12 to 14 hour days, construction workers who work really, you know, especially in the summertime when you've got, you know, a short building season, you work a lot of hours and they manage. It's you just manage, you just kind of manage your energy. You don't burn it all in the morning. You pace yourself throughout the day. So you still have some for the, for the night. And what you do is you, you limit your things like your alcohol consumption at the end of the night. You know, you save all that for the weekend. And you rest when, you, when it's rest time. So essentially, if you're working 12 to 14 hour, hour days, then your, your other 10 hours is eating, showering, and sleeping. That's what it is. And, you know, we, you hope that long-term the money's worth it. Okay. There's nothing, there's no secret to it. It's a mental thing. Okay. Okay. Jobs where I don't need to think as much. It depends what you mean by think. Like something that's easily repetitive, where you just kind of follow instructions. Um, warehouse work is pretty repetitive. You know, small, small manufacturing is fairly repetitive. You know, easy customer service jobs back to the uh, things like the um, fitness center jobs. Janitors, not too bad. You can get a good office building janitorial job. Yeah. It's hard work, but it's of mindless of course the problem is if your problem is thinking you've got lots of thinking time and so you're still going to be thinking it's just not going to be about yeah death. she's a creative person she wants to spend her um her time away she wants to she doesn't want to be a starving artist she she wants to have a job where she makes enough money to get by and then so she can do her passion. So that's called a starving artist. And <laughs> I'm sorry to break it to her. That's what a starving artist does. You get a job that makes just enough money so you can feed your art your your passion. That's what a starving artist does. Now I actually get not wanting to include your art in your in your um work. Right? Because once art becomes work, it becomes a job, and you kind of lose your passion. Um, my suggestion is to find something in the uh, nonprofit field, or with the, like your local parks and rec. So you know you can maybe you can have a little bit of arts, a little bit of fun, and still having a little bit of security. So that would be my suggestion. Yes. Look for something in the uh, nonprofit or you know your local parks and rec department, something like that. Okay, because you know it's a city job; you don't need this to be tight. Okay, what's next? Okay, my 
Female 33. Oh, wait, yeah, just as a, a disclaimer, we're moving on to the more adult theme of the sex of the night, even though we do try to keep these uh, as family-friendly as possible. Yes. Yeah, okay. Never with that disclaimer. Started. All right. All right, what's next? My 33 female boyfriend, 30 male, who I've been with just over a year, has told me he wants a cuckold relationship where I sleep with other men and desire them. Then tell him about it. It makes me feel awful, and I don't know what to do. Yet, this is what's known as a deal breaker, and I'm sorry. Well, if she's not into it and it makes her feel bad, then yes, it's a deal breaker. Some people are into that kind of thing, clearly. Clearly. But not you, and that's perfectly fine. Um, I would actually congratulate yourself a little bit. At least you're come he's comfortable enough with you in the relationship to bring something up like this that is very difficult. You know. But yeah, if that's a deal breaker for both of you, then it's a deal breaker, right? It is what it is. Yeah. So okay. Set him free to pursue his his desires elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's not much else to, not a lot to say on that one. It's, it's either the thing, it's you're into it or you're not. And yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Do you find alcohol affects your sexual performance? Well, only. And, if, and this person had a bad experience. Well, only if you're. Well, if you're both drunk, it doesn't matter because neither one of you are going to remember it right in the first place, so it's irrelevant. <laughs> so the only person it matters to is if you're drunk and the other person is not, then yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> if you're both drunk, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're, drunk, if you're so drunk that you're going to have a, a bad, sloppy experience, then you're likely not going to remember it. So it's or remember it accurately in the first place. So. I remember falling off the bed one time. Here's the thing. Stop drinking alcohol and see what happens. So I'm just saying, alcohol is not your friends, people. It's all the poison. All right. So let's now get off my high horse. <laughs> I don't want to be judgmental because, you know, it is what it is. People... Responsibly use it all the time. So, all right, what's next? I'd like my boyfriend to be a little rougher, but I don't know how to tell him. Um, hey, can you be a little rougher? <laughs> but, you know, don't drop it on him at, a, at the moment. Or, well, it depends on who, on the actual the person. Some people, if you drop it at the moment, they don't know how to process it. You need time to think about it. So you want to you know, have mentioned it maybe after. Thing. And I think I would be I would be prepared to give a, a couple of examples, you know, so he understands how far you wouldn't take it. You know, he may all of a sudden picture whips and chains, and you're not interested in that at all. Yeah, you have to get be a little clear what you mean because rougher means what exactly? You know? Yeah, 
you know, do you, do you want a, a light spanking or, or, or do you want your hair pulled like it feels like it's been gripped at your head? You know, there's two different things there. It, it, you know, both are okay if the person likes them. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's next? Okay, we have a last question. Okay. How do I, 22 female, having a higher libido than my partner, 22 male? You handle it the same way men have to handle it. Just figure it out. There's no magic sauce to it. You know, you have to get used to sometimes being told no. Without it taking it personal, because it's really nice. And it's harder for women than men, because men are rejected all the time. A lifetime of rejection. So, not that that's good or anything, but we're kind of used to it. There's less impact on us. We're not used to being rejected. So it feels more, more personal than it does. And it still feels personal to us, by the way. I'm not saying it doesn't. Just saying it's magnified. Because women don't usually have to work very hard to get sex. <laughs> oh, no. No. And men have to work hard, so we're kind of used to being told no. So what do you do? That came with a sigh. <laughs> so what do you do? You deal with it. You accept that there's a difference. And he accepts that you will have to find your own personal releases. Just like men do. And women have to deal with that uncomfortable reality. Right? That's how we deal with the that's how humans have deal, dealt with that imbalance of libido since the beginning of time why is it going to change now so you know asking him to little to understand that you want to watch porn sometimes alone or whatever it is you know. yeah yeah it, it's it's nothing personal both ways right that's the reality of the situation you know both these things feel personal but they're the R, but not the way you think they are personal. <laughs> they are personal. And that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you deal with it. You just learn to deal with it. There's no magic bullet. There's nothing like you know, no secret sauce. There's no one single conversation you have to make your relationship work. It just takes time, patience, empathy, and most importantly, love. And this month of September, make sure you find your cat, give it an extra pet or two, an extra scratch on the head or wherever your particular cat likes it. Or if your cat doesn't like being scratched, I don't know. <laughs> find him a toy, whatever he likes to do. We've had cats that weren't all that friendly. Uh, yeah. I mean, they weren't unfriendly. They just didn't like being petted. And so... You know, which is fine, right? Everybody has their own boundaries. <laughs> so for me and Lobby, I want to remind you, you can find all these uh, questions and um, references at latenightlove.us. You can also find to send us your own questions and comments, suggestions at love at latenightlove.us. And like, 
subscribe, share, blah, blah, all that good fun stuff. And from me and Ludley, good night. And please remember to love everyone. Thank you.